Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. I'm so sorry for not putting out a podcast last week. Edinburgh got on top of me and uh, it just it just uh, didn't happen. I have no excuse other than that. It's been a really, really good run. I've had so many lovely audiences in selling out um, that giant room, which I didn't think was possible. If you have been keeping up, I've got a blog up on Patreon that... Uh, covers my experiences during the fringe every day or two days um and that's fun if you like reading about that if you like reading about being inside the bubble of the edinburgh fringe and all of the things that that involves uh that's patreon.com slash alice fraser you can also sign up there to get the download of my last show the resistance or just subscribe and uh, follow the blog or subscribe and give some amount of money all of those things are fantastic, um, and I wanted to say thank you to everyone who has been signing up. It's a real, it's a real thing. I, it's great. Um, it's yeah, mind blowing to me. I really appreciate it. That said, if you have an email, you want to send me alicerfraser at gmail dot com or Twitter at alliterative a l i t e r a t i v e. This week's episode is with Lydia Rickards, who is a producer slash. Uh, maker of things happening. She recently has quit her more corporate style job to uh, make it in comedy and we talk about age, youth and uh, whether you should have a plan for your life or not. We did this in London a few weeks ago at Yamcha Tea House which sort of seems to be my regular recording place in London. If you are in London and know a good place to record that's quieter than that, I would um, please hit me up. That would be great. That would be really, really great. Um, I will be doing a show in London on the 9th of September. That's a full full show of Empire if you missed it in London and you couldn't get up to Edinburgh. Uh, that's available online at the Camden Comedy Club. Uh, that's it's the Camden Head in, in Camden. <laughs> That'll be on, on that date, the 9th of September, and you can look it up. I'll put a link up on my Twitter and start plugging that at some point. It's a really weird feeling coming to the end of the fringe because a lot of things that I have put off until after the fringe and all of a sudden that is very close. I have no place to live at the moment. My stuff's in storage in Melbourne. I'm going to have to start looking for a place. All of all of these l- small and large uh, life things that I have just been saying, oh yeah, end of the fringe, end of the fringe, and now that's a week away and I have to actually make decisions. My character flaw is not making decisions And it gets me in trouble sometimes. Sometimes not making a decision is as good as or much worse than making any decision, uh, right or wrong. That said, I will stop rambling and let you get on with listening to this conversation that I had with the wonderful Lydia Rickards. Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. Who are you and what are you drinking? Oh, uh, I am Lydia Rickards, and I'm drinking very boring hot water with lemon. What made you decide to drink that? Um, it feels cleansing, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just have it every morning, mm. and I've missed out on it this morning, and now it's v- yes. I should have had one earlier. I feel so like I'm all out of whack now that I haven't had it. So we're in, we're in a very lovely tea shop in Soho, and you've gone from there range of 120 teas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's me lemon. really, I'm just boring. I think and no, that's uh, an admirable uh, <laughs> I think that's an admirable decision. I'm not gonna tell you what Well I don't drink the thing is like I don't drink coffee and I don't really drink I don't drink caffeinated tea. Mm. I drink fruit teas sometimes. But um, well no, I'm very boring. You say that twice. You said you've said Sorry. that twice in the I mean two even sentences. the even the repetitiveness of that is yeah. No, I'm, I'm interested that you think that you're boring because by sort of external ooh. view, you're not boring. You are. Thank I met you. you when you were working for a production company and uh, now you are doing your own stand-up. You've mm. returned to your own stand-up mm. and doing about eight different jobs. Yeah. So that seems like the least boring thing in the world. Yeah. I think it's... Maybe I'm, I'm trying to prove to myself I'm not boring. No, seriously, though, I, was talk- have, I was having this conversation with someone the other day that... like. In terms of what is the worst thing somebody could say to you, mm-hmm. someone will call you and like, you can call me ugly or um, stupid or stuff like that, and it won't really bother me. But I have this fear of b- of being boring, which is I don't know why, why you kind of get in front of it by calling yourself boring yeah, so no one else exactly. can. It's that classic yeah. beat the school bullies by making fun of yourself. Exactly. 
yeah. thing. Did someone yeah. ever tell you you were boring in a I way that I deeply affected you? Not or? in a way that I remember. I don't think so. But then also, as soon as I started working comedy, I was very aware that I wasn't like a party person in the way that some people are. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, I've I've had conversations with people before of like, yeah, I'm definitely not. I mean, I like to go out and I like to drink and stuff, but I mean, I'm not to the level of some some people. Yeah, well, you don't really want to set your star by comedian's level of partying. No, no. And I, I mean, uh, for me, I don't, I don't party really. Mm. I hate fun, but um, <laughs> I do have a number of like colleagues in my hating of fun, which is is basically me and the ex-alcoholics. We get to hang out mm. and have chats in the corners. Well, I'm. Because obviously it's Edinburgh in a few weeks, Edinburgh Fringe, and I'm contemplating whether or not to uh, to not drink. Ah. And I do like I do like a pint of cider at the end of a hard day, or mm-hmm. three or four. Um, but then a friend of mine said, like, until you're doing your own hour, if you're just if you're working or doing spots or stuff, then go out and have fun, like do what you want. Like until you need to be like, okay, I need to knuckle down and like have my game face on then have all the fun you want i mean the other side of things is it's the 70th anniversary yes so can i drink 70 pints so in, you're tossing in up between those yeah. two extremes yeah. not drinking at all or trying to get through 70 yeah. pints in a month yeah it's a weird challenge it is a weird challenge mm. well I, I guess it depends what you're going to get out of it i i do not understand people who get drunk every night if they're doing a solo show yeah because it's already exhausting and emotionally draining mm. and maddening and, you know, brings up all your neuroses and fears and self-loathing mm. without sort of chemical interference, yeah. without <laughs> having a hangover on top of worrying about yeah. only having four people in your show. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I'm in a bigger room this year than I've ever been in before for no good reason. Uh, so I'm I'm currently facing down the barrel of that, but I it'll be like a, it'll be a new challenge and it could be really exciting. Yeah, yeah, we could so go either way. It's the fun of the fringe. The fun <laughs> of the fringe is just tossing the dice which contains your life savings into the yeah. air. Yeah, it's a fun fun gamble. Yeah. So what have you been wrestling with recently? Um. Well, it was my birthday the other day. And Happy birthday. Uh, thank you. And I turned... Right, and I know people are going to be like, yeah, but you're so young. But I turned 26, and then I'm suddenly like, oh, my God, am I in late 20s now? Have I put myself into that box now? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't tick the 18 to 25 box on surveys anymore. Like, I'm the next one, and then I'll be 30, and then I'll be like, oh, my God, when am I supposed to have my shiz together? Yes. Firstly, I'm saying that mid-twenties covers a, a whole range of years. And yes. I'm not going to say, I'm not late-twenties yet. I'm not late-twenties. I'm still mid-twenties. And, uh, yeah, I just, should I have a plan? I kind of have a loose plan of um, where I want things to go. But should you have a, should you have a life plan? I think uh, you should have a plan if you are capable of allowing a plan to change. Yeah. Because, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy, right? Yeah. So life will get your plan. So if you're super tied to a plan, then it can really screw you up. Mm. But if you don't have a plan equally, you can be drifting without... Yeah. I sort of think of myself as going in a direction, vaguely. Mm. So keep moving forward, keep moving towards that direction and whichever sort of mountain you hit... Yeah. That's where you that's the one you climb. But uh I don't know about having your shit together. There's a thing that really annoys me about people of my age and I'm a little older than you. Uh people who say things like Oh, you know, I just did my taxes, look at me adulting. Mm. And I'm mm. like, Yeah. Yeah. You're an adult. <laughs> like being surprised at your own competence. Mm is a, a very annoying thing to me. And I'm not sure if it's false modesty or if it is this thing where people of our generation feel like they've had this very ex- extended adolescence and a lack of responsibility. Mm. You know, as a kind of modern species, we don't have to dig in the fields for our food. We don't have that direct relationship to our own survival. Mm. Often, you know, the feeling that 
we're connected to what the money we're making or the food we eat. You don't think of it as a direct connection unless you're very poor at various mm. points and you're like, that hour of work will buy me a sandwich. Yeah. But if you don't have that, then you can feel sort of like you're drifting without mm. any sense of, of responsibility and therefore no sense of control mm. over your outcomes. Well, the other day, my dad called me rudderless and I don't believe that I'm rudderless. I have a plan, but I just haven't kind of talked it through with him because he doesn't necessarily understand how the lifestyle of a non-nine-to-five job works. No, I mean, so it can look like being rudderless because mm. you are, to a certain extent, um, at the mercy of the winds. But that doesn't mean you... You know, sailors also have directions and maps and navigational capacities. Yeah. They are just sort of still a little bit... I like that. I like that. I might, I might take them <laughs> my next uh, debate with him. But, yeah, I just... I need to re- relax into... I don't know. I have this obsession with being at a certain point in your life, a certain age, which I don't know where I get that from. It's probably... From a lot of uh, kind of TV shows and films and stuff I used to watch when I was younger. Well, it sort of it doesn't help when you know you have forty-year-old men with twenty-five-year-old women. Mm. You know, forty-year-old women playing the parents of thirty-six-year-old men. Well, I, was, I think the most yeah. r- I wrote an article about this at one point. One of the most ridiculous ones was Angelina Jolie playing Colin Farrell's mother in Alexander, and she's like six years older than yeah. him. This idea that yeah. you know you kind of have to be more in control as a as a woman earlier, mm. which might be one of the reasons why women are kind of in more university than men are. That's complete hypothesis, mm. by the way. I've got no facts to back well, that up. But I d- just don't know where I've necessarily got it from. But like, well, <laughs> on my birthday, my dad said to me, "Oh, when I was twenty six I had a mortgage and I was married and I had uh, one kid, two kids. No, just one kid. But uh, but that's fine. It's a different time now, isn't it? I was like, yes, Dad. Yes, yes, it, it is. is. And At 26, I could be a grandparent, but I'm not. <laughs> and I do struggle between both ends of the spectrum of like... Um, I think stuff like Facebook and Instagram is, is a lot of pressure of... Uh, comparing yourself to your peers and what they're doing at the moment um, both in terms of like career and like personal life like at the moment well, it just feels like everyone I know is getting engaged or married or having a baby or doing all these exciting things and then I get a bit like oh alright do well, you I'm want to single. have children? but at the same time I, believe me I do not want a child right now I don't know if I will in the future um, pr- I Probably. I have I have two quite young nieces who I adore and I think oh maybe like nieces and nephews will be enough t- for me to f- like fill that uh, gap. I don't that I don't sense know. of being an adult when there are children who you are responsible for or look after or love. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I mean I think that might be one of the reasons why there is this urgency for young women particularly to get their shit together as quickly as possible because you know, there is a biological clock. But if you don't want to have children or if you're not sure that you want to have children, then that urgency sort of mm. evaporates a little bit and you can take your time more. Mm. I mean, because I still do like going out and partying and stuff and babysitting, babysitting on a hangover <laughs> is <laughs> not fun. No. Um, not that doing anything on a hangover is fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's also the sense of... Is it a choice that I don't want to do these things or is it the fact that I'm single so I wouldn't necessarily be able to anyway? So I suppose it's being able to have that choice. I don't know. It just feels like there's lots of... At the moment. That's the only way that I can articulate it. It's just like... Just that noise. That noise. I I was on the Bugle the other day and one of the news stories that we covered... um, It's a satirical news podcast. And uh, one of the news stories that we covered is the fact that... uh, young women in Harvard are freezing their eggs Mm. because they can't find men who are, you know, mate material, who are worthy of of having children with, which is really interesting because I think of that as kind of a sideline of feminism. 
so one of the results of feminism is that we have got you know more equality particularly in places like universities where there are higher rates of female graduates than men in most universities in most courses obviously you have some male dominated courses but then you also have this leftover social conditioning for women which tells them that they they shouldn't marry down mm. if you know what i mean yeah like they shouldn't and i I think some women are kind of getting over that, but I think the vast majority of women are having this double thing that's going on in their head of like, I want to achieve, I want to be independent, I want to be ambitious, I want to get as far as I can, mm. but equally then I want a man who is as good as or better than me on some vector. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, there aren't a lot of women who are, you know, proudly going out with a male sort of lower working class partners in the way that men would have gone out with secretaries or mm. sort yeah. of nurses or teachers who were you know engineers or mm. big bankers when there's a woman who's a big banker it's much less usual for her to be dating a teacher or a mm. nurse yeah and and so you have this simultaneous advancement of of feminism on one on one side, and it's the side that's the combative side, it's let me do that, let me... But then y you don't get something without giving something away. And what you give away is you can't be a delicate flower swooning on the strong mm. arm of some man who's going to take all your problems away anymore. Mm. Like, you just... Yeah. You don't get both of those. So, I mean, you do, you can, but it's much... R it's very rare. Like, statistically, the likelihood is not that high. Mm. So I think that's a really interesting corner that a lot of women have backed themselves into, which is they've done the work on one scale, which is let me do these things, but they haven't done a lot of change inside themselves about their own mm. attitudes mm. to, you know, that stuff. Because, you know, it's not fair on one, on one view of things to ask a man who is a successful, wealthy businessman to look after a woman. Mm. If we want feminism to be to mean complete social equality yeah other than the process like the time period where you're taking care of and making a child then you want them to be equal in all other ways and yeah. at all other times in their careers mm. then you can't really ask for oh this dude to come in and sweep you away yeah. and i just find it difficult like i do i find it difficult to meet people who are on my level um I don't, I, and also, I'm not. I'm not willing to settle for anything less than. I'm not saying that I have a list, but as you say, like I want to be challenged, and I want, you know, someone to put me in. My <laughs> I want someone to kind of challenge me to a, a, a game of Scrabble or whatever. Like, I, yeah. or if I want I'm someone who's willing to call me on my bullshit. Yeah. If if I'm being an idiot, which I can be a lot, then I want someone to like put me in my place and not be like too I don't know too scared to say anything or just to tell me when I'm being a dickhead really yeah. like I, f I feel like um, I feel like my last relationship like I feel like he was scared of me <laughs> and no seriously and um, people have said to me before that I can be intimidating at times well I don't then I need to find someone who doesn't find me intimidating yeah you're not intimidating you're competent well thank you so I just need to find somebody as as competent and, um, and you've got two options with that. Either you make yourself less competent and therefore broaden your market, or mm. you are picky. Someone once told me, um, this was at a wedding reception when we were all just kind of having drinks and stuff and talking about being single or married or different kind of relationship states that people are in. And um, someone said to me, that if I want to meet somebody, I need to um, kind of flick my hair more and laugh at their jokes more. And I'm sorry, but if the joke isn't funny, I'm not laughing. <laughs> like, no. I'm. Why would I do? Like, I'm not going to do that. No. I mean, it's interesting because laughter isn't necessarily as direct a correlation to whether the joke is funny or not as it is to. I mean, sometimes someone can tell a joke that isn't that funny, but their the joy in it is so great that mm. it becomes funny. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's. But yes, I know what but you I'm mean. You're not going to patronize them yeah. or, or pander to them. Yeah. And that's the thing, I, I definitely feel like that's not something I'm willing to do. Well, if only because it'll lead to like bad outcomes in the long term, where you'll, you know, once you get used to them, once you stop trying to impress them, 
then you're you don't laugh at their jokes anymore you don't I mean, mm. it's that classic, like, why would you pretend to enjoy their kind of masculine body more than you do? Mm. Because then it'll seem like you've suddenly gone cold on them once you stop pretending. Unless yeah. you're willing to pretend for 50 or 60 years. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people nowadays might be compromising. Mm. I would rather be on my own than, like, settle or compromise on certain thi- I mean I know like relationships are about compromise obviously yeah um, and that's not just like romantic relationships like every kind of relationship but um, there are certain things that I'm not willing to compromise on and um, I mean I know I'm difficult maybe maybe it's a timing thing as well maybe I don't know I, if, if we believe that there is this big plan that someone else has decided for us. Mm. Maybe I was never supposed to meet someone until I was, I don't know, 31 or... I don't Are know. you religious? I'm not, no. But um, you do talk about a grand plan that well, someone else has the made the for you. The thing is, I kind of believe... I kind of believe in fate. Fate. Or sometimes, yeah, or sometimes I believe... Well, sometimes I tell myself that maybe everything happens for a reason. And I mean, I don't know. Is that linked to a religious thing? No, I mean, I believe that everything happens for a reason, which is that some stuff happened before it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I suppose, that's just a way of when things don't go right, of trying to find some sense of it, of, oh, no, this has gone wrong, and this has gone wrong, and this has gone wrong. And it's because one day I'm going to marry Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. or I'm going to be this success in my career that I want to be, or I don't know. You, I, I suppose trying to trust that everything will come together at some point. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't believe in working backwards. Like I don't, I don't necessarily believe in the future. Mm. I, but I do think that you know everything you do directs you in towards one goal or another, towards mm. one end or another. The more you do one thing, the more you steer right or left or yeah, think of it more as forward motion than sort of working your way back from an ultimate goal, unless you consider the ultimate goal to be death, in which case, easily (laughs) achievable. Yeah. You'll get there eventually. Just keep trudging along. It's all just a bit... See, this noise is the only way that I can articulate it, Mm. which is uh, kind of like, oh, God, I'm muddling through. I had a terrifying thing happen to me yesterday where... uh, I had about a five-minute period where I couldn't speak. And I don't know whether it's like a combination of jet lag and sort of stressed out about Edinburgh and my preview coming today and Mm. so on and so forth. But I was talking to a friend and I just couldn't speak, which was utterly terrifying Did you feel ill in it? Did you have like a headache or like a... Oh, yeah. I had a sort of... I had a sort of vague, vague migraine symptoms of yeah. like tingling hands and stuff. Because that can be quite migrainey. Yeah, but yeah. I'd never had that particular symptom before. For yeah. this three-minute period or four-minute period, literally, I would I would try to say uh, tonight, and I'd be like tomorrow, like it yeah. was gone. And then after that, for a good couple of hours, words that I should have been able to find in my mind were not present. You know, my brother is in Israel at the moment. And I was like, he's in Jew country. <laughs> like, I just c- I couldn't yeah. find the words. And that has never happened to me before. And I hope it never happens to me again because of all the things that I would not want to lose mm. uh, before before my time, Yeah, it would be the words. Yeah, no, it definitely. I mean, it sounds, sounds like a migraine thing. Like, I wouldn't worry. Wouldn't worry but obviously, much. I mean, I can... Sometimes, in the moment, is it's can things like that can be very terrifying, can't they? Because yeah. you think, how long is this going to go on for? Yeah, I think it also reminded me of some stuff that happened with mum. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up, other than that it was top of mind, because it happened quite recently, and I thought, oh, should I go to the hospital, or should I... Yeah. And I, d- I had a nap. Yeah. Which I think solves most problems. Yeah, have a nap, or a cup of tea or something. Yeah, maybe, like, if it happens again then cease. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, I think for the most part, if things go away relatively quickly, if they're self-contained, then you don't have to worry. It's mm. if they trail on or happen for like days or yeah. half a day or 
whatever. Yeah. But then little moments like that remind me of those are the things that make me feel urgent because that, you know, may or may not be a problem. It's most likely not a problem, but that will happen eventually, you mm. know. At some mm. point, one way or another, I will no longer be able to speak, whether it's just because I get hit by a bus or, you know, die at 80, but 80 is not so long. Well, age is not so far away. It's ages away. Mm, is it? If you think about it, like, you know how time passes faster as you get older? Yeah. In part because you sort of streamline your experience. You don't notice the little things. You know, as a kid, you'd be fascinated by how your hands moved or the texture of a table or the taste of something, and it would make everything, you, you noticed everything, so time would pass very slowly. Probably, like, subjectively, mm. I have experienced more than half my life already. Because it's just going to keep speeding up. That's my do theory, you, do anyway. Do you think <laughs> that's that my working <laughs> hypothesis, and maybe why I'm a workaholic? But do you think that if you were more aware of things like that, you can not slow down time, but if you do start to appreciate smaller things more? Yeah, I mean that is an argument for both Buddhism and travel, or if not Buddhism, at least meditation. And travel because uh, there's nothing more exhausting than coming to a new city and everything is slightly different. Mm. Just just slightly. The street signs are just a little bit different and the taste of the water is just a little bit different. And so mm. you do, time slows down. Those first two weeks are utterly exhausting mm. because you do notice all of those normal small things that you would otherwise not. So that could be a method of slowing down time. <laughs> slowing down time. The other way would be to be very boring. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, I suppose the time thing, you can't worry too much about that. I mean, I'm a massive warrior. I don't know. Like, I, Would you say that you worried about stuff? No, not like too much. I, I replace worry with action, which yeah. is probably as unhealthy, but it's, a, it's its own thing. Well, I... Well, like we're talking about now, like I worry about the future and I worry about how some decisions I make right now might, as you say, steer me down a different path and that will change. I, if someone said to me, I, can t I could tell you, like ask me a question about your future. You know when people say oh, I, would, I wouldn't want to know the day that I would die? Mm. Or if you could ask someone one question about your future would you want to what would you ask them would you want to know i think i would i'd like to know i just like to ask like will i be content but then if they say no <laughs> then i don't want to know that well i imagine the answer is you will be content at various points because i have this thing of i mean i don't know the dictionary definitions of happy and content but i feel like Happy is like uh, in the moment. Like, are you happy? Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm sat with my friend drinking tea and cake. Like, yeah, I'm happy. But then there's like content. Like, are you content in your... That's more like an overarching kind of... Yeah. For me, I think that would be give me difficult problems that I can solve. Mm. I think that's, for me, would be the definition of contentment or that kind of... Uh, ongoing happiness that isn't yeah. this moment of like glee or joy or laughter or yeah. hysteria but it's actually just like ah oh, yeah that's a good day mm. I had a good day yeah I had a series of problems that were not easy to solve but that I solved yeah I think that is my goal in life it's not really can't really fit it on a mug but <laughs> <laughs> I th yeah I just want to be want to be content but just got to keep plugging away, plowing on, and and uh, doing things I want to do. Like I've, you know, I've worked in jobs that I'm not, that don't make me happy, so I've left them. Mm. Because why would you keep doing something that doesn't make you happy? Mm. Like, and I've had loads of really co quite kind of shitty. Like, um, I've worked in like offices and call centres and stuff, which which have been like boring, or the people haven't been very nice, or the job itself hasn't been fulfilling. And then I'm just like, why am I doing this? Apart from to make money, and it's not good money, so I just quit. And like, what year would it have been? 
I think the... I mean, I can, uh, I can sympathise with that. I've done the same thing. But I think they say the three things that are most correlated with happiness at work is, uh, number one, the people you're working with. Mm. If you're working with good people, you could be down on mine and you'll still look forward to a day of work. Yeah. Secondly, if you have autonomy or control, if you feel like you know where, what you're doing and why you're doing yeah. it and you're not just a cog in a wheel, you're not just a number in a machine, you're yeah. it's you and, and it needs to be you to get the job done and only you can do it as well as you can do it. Yeah. And the third thing is the length of your commute. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Which sort of, I guess, dictates whether you can have an outside life from your work yeah. or... Like these people that travel um, two hours to work every day, or like if I'm going to a gig on a train and I'm, peop- I'm going to a gig and they're coming home from the office and mm. like a crazy time, I'm just like, really? Why? Like, why? But I suppose, I mean, it's for lots of people, it's because they don't want to live in Lond- London. Yes. So they'll work in London, but they'll live on a, well, near a train station somewhere. Like in Swindon, there's loads of people that live in Swindon that work in London. Yeah. Because it's like an hour on the train. But the grand scheme of things, you don't really have any evenings. You know, if you have little kids, you're not going to be seeing them before they go to bed. Um, but, I mean, in comedy, our commute is a bit mad. I went to Darlington the other day. All the way to Darlington. And then I just got ill. And uh, just bombed. And I was like, why have I travelled all this way? But I didn't know that I was going to get sick. No, you didn't. I mean, I often wonder if I had a kid whether I would keep doing stand-up. Mm. And if I did, would I just bring the kid to stand-up gigs? Yeah. There's a stand-up comedian, a road comic uh, in Australia called Bev Killick, who's very, very Australian, very funny. Mm. And uh, when she had her kid, she'd just bring him to the gig and stick him under the pool table at the bar. <laughs> That's great. That's one. That's one way of uh, like babysitting. Yeah, it's weird how that dilemma. Well, male um, comedians won't necessarily have to deal with that. I mean, Ali McGregor, you know, Adam Hills' yeah, wife. Yeah. She's done. She's performed whole tours while pregnant. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing whether it's compatible. I was talking to someone yesterday even about like um, maternity pay. Like you don't get maternity pay. It would as just a be like statutory. Well, Claire Hooper um, said that when she had her kid, for about six months after she'd had her kid, she was she had stage fright, which she thinks is a, a, a hormonal response mm-hmm. that she her testosterone was down, her estrogen was up, all of her pr- protective instincts. Like as mm-hmm. a mother, it's probably a survival mechanism yeah. to be a little bit afraid of things. Yeah, maybe. So, but she had to keep working yeah. because, you know, that's she's looking after her family. Yes, and um, money. Wouldn't it be nice to have? Wouldn't I, pl- I do the lottery occasionally and just think, I would quite like to win. Just, like, a couple of thousand would just be nice. I mean, I'd be welcome to a few million as well. Yeah. But to not have to worry about money would be lovely. I mean, my family, like, we've never had a lot of money. We've always kind of, like, just got by. And um, my parents have worked really hard, and we've always... Like, my dad had, a, like, a really big um, job once at work and uh, used that money to take us all to Disneyland. Aww. So, yeah, it's... they. Yeah, my parents work very hard, you know but we've uh, never, like, had a lot of money. You know that Monopoly thing? Is it a, a Monopoly thing where it's, like, bank error in your favour? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this happened to us when I was in my teens was dad checked his bank account and there was $4 million in the bank account. Oh, my God. Or something, something like 14 or $4 million. And uh, he called the bank. It was closing time. And they said, oh, we, yeah, it's, a, it's an error. It's just numbers in your account. But can, do you mind us leaving it in the account and we'll deal with it tomorrow? Mm. And dad said, sure but can I keep the interest from that one okay. night? Yeah. And they said yes. And so with that money, I don't know how much it was or how much the interest was, but we all we got to go on a holiday from that. Oh, that's that. awesome. And that was just ultimate bank error in your favour. Yeah. 
They so the next day, did it just disappear? Yeah, it just disappeared. But he he'd asked them if he could keep the yeah. interest, which was I don't That's know. That's very of smart dollars. to yeah. ask that. Like, how many people in that scenario would even think to to ask in that about the interest? Yeah, but for one for one night, we were extremely wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> God, I looked at my inset banking the other day and there obviously there was an error with it. But um, on all of my amounts, all of my balances, it just said NA. Oh, no. <laughs> Not applicable. Um, but I was like, I'm sure. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm sure I do have something. But um, I'm living at home at the moment, which is nice because I don't have to pay rent. But then, and I'm to be fair, I'm back and forth so much. I don't think I should have to... It would be frustrating to pay rent anywhere mm. because I'm in no one place like long enough. Well, you were just on tour in Australia and then around the UK. And yeah. So, um, yeah, like there's no point me renting a flat in London or wherever. But it's very nice. Like I do love my family home anyway, and I won't leave that for a while. But it is, I do w- I worry about money a lot, and because that's another thing into the future. Will I ever own a house? Or will I ever really care about owning a house? Where will... So many question marks, Alice. I mean, you are the epitome of your generation. Will we ever own a house? Mm. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the answer. Probably not. But then, if I was if I was to achieve all of my dreams and, you know, be continue to travel the world working, then I'd be happy not to. I wouldn't need one. Mm. I'd... Maybe need somewhere I can store stuff. Mm. But, um, I don't know, Airbnb it all the time. I mean, at some point, I suppose everyone needs, like, a home to settle down in. I think if you have sort of bajillions of dollars, you don't need to buy a house because mm. you can walk in anywhere and someone will give you a place to sleep. Yeah. But if, and if you have no money, you'll never get a house because you will never afford it. Mm. I think it's if you're in the middle there, somewhere where a house is, is a symbol of, of security and... Mm. Safety, but even that, you know, land tax, all of that stuff. Maintenance. Yeah, I'm not good at maintaining roofing gutters. <laughs> like, why? Why should I? Sh- I don't think I should have that kind of responsibility. I hate driving. Yeah, because I'm so worried about her. Like, I don't like playing video games because I'm worried about killing the avatar. I feel so <laughs> guilty when they die from my lack of skill. See, so, so you do worry about things like that you do worry about like the small yes the small things see all these things like money babies housing or the i feel like they're all like question mark things that are kind of floating above me and like it was almost like there's a like a i don't know like a game board of she used to like mention Monopoly. Well, like you go around the board and you collect all these things. But I think those things are only worth how much you want them, right? Mm. If you have a kid that you don't want, that is a really intolerable burden. And there are many people who have children that they don't want. Mm. And it's not good for them and it's not good for the children. If you, if If having a child will make you happy, then it's worth having. And if you think you can do a good job and bring them up well. But likewise with a house, if you... If having a house will make you feel safer, aim mm. for a house. Mm. But if it's not something that bothers you, then why would you... I mean, a mortgage is the death of creativity, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I suppose, again, it's these things that are kind of boxes that society kind of state need to be ticked. Mm. And so far, I've ticked none of those boxes. I've mm. ticked plenty of other ones. Um but I mean you don't know when you'll meet someone you don't know when you'll land a job that might earn you a lot of money or make you successful or whatever it's a lot of well I've decided to go to work in an industry that is very difficult to predict yes so maybe that's maybe I should just get a boring job see we've gone full circle we've gone full circle (laughs) now this is your ambition (laughs) no I reckon you should run this into the ground so hard that you're grateful for a boring job Mm. or you succeed those are your two options just run it up against the wall until either you're successful or you are grateful Mm. for a call center (laughs) yeah well in my in my plan if if things go as they should over the next year or so 
I want to be. I want to move back to London in April, mm-hmm. 2018. All right. Um, I'm waiting. My friend has been saying for ages that she's going to buy a house. She's been saving up for a while, and her and her family kind of like sussing it all out at the moment. But um, I've kind of showed my interest and said, you know, we've talked about living together before. And I, April 2018, I want to move back to London. <coughs> Potentially, the, th- the problem is that then I'd need to get a proper job to be able to, por- be able to afford rent. Whereas at the moment, I can float around and do very freelancey things, bits and bobs, because I don't have to pay rent. I mean, my biggest expense at the moment is the train tickets because I'm just living on trains, like, yeah. so much. Like, I come back and forth to London three times this week. And uh, and soon, because I'm old now, my rail card won't, will expire. Oh, so you won't get the youth discount. No, I'm going to have to find a way around that. Maybe you need a car. Maybe you need your own train. Yes, oh my God, Maybe imagine you having your own train. you need to run a comedy gig on a train. So you don't that even need to bother well, about Well, I had an idea going. before about writing like a kind of sketch show type thing that's based on a train. And it would be, um, I don't know if it would be a sitcom or a sketch show, but I suppose you would have the recurring characters and then you would have the random characters every time. I wanted to call it Off Peak and it would be set in real time of like, say, it's 25 minutes quite a standard time for like a That sitcom, seems like a reasonable yeah. amount of time. So to you'd spend have on a, a 25 minute journey, say from, I don't know, Reading to London every day. And then you'd have the people that you follow, a few recurring characters, and then you'd have like the random ones. You'd have to do it on a train line that didn't have Wi Fi. Yes. For whatever reason, it's in a tunnel or something for mm-hmm. the whole 25 minutes, and so. No one can get reception on their phones. Yeah. But again, this is classic. Because that is literally the only thing that causes people to interact with one another yeah. nowadays is when the Wi-Fi is yeah. down. Oh, I, but I do, I love listening to people's conversations. And um, I always find it interesting. If, you, if someone on TV or in a, in a play or something is having, having a phone conversation, they will answer the question, they will tell you the question like in the answer. Yes. So they'll say... Um, Oh no, my my sister Alice is not coming around for tea tonight. Like things like that that you wouldn't normally say. Yes. Whereas when you're listening to half com- a normal conversation, you don't get those kind of things. No. So I love trying to work all of that out. I was on the way back from Wales uh, on Saturday, so I went to Wales three times because I'm disorganised. Um, I <laughs> had a gig on Thursday night, and then I came back to London to do the bugle on Friday mm. day. Yeah. And then I went back to Wales on Friday night. <laughs> And then came back to London on Saturday morning. It was badly planned on my part, but I got a lot of train conversations. And my favourite one was on the way back on the Saturday morning was a a very, very, very North Welsh uh, hens party. Oh, yeah. So they were were spread out over two quad table train uh, seats and they had champagne and they all had their hair immaculately done and were doing one another's makeup. And I was like, that is a great hens party. Mm. Just a train journey. Yeah. Just a two and a half hour train journey. Three and a half hour train journey. Where were they going to? London. Oh, they were coming. Okay, yeah. Coming from Wales to London. And uh, I mean, they'd done most of the partying by the time they got yeah. to London. <laughs> it sounds, yeah, it sounds like a pretty good pre-drinks. Yeah. There was about six bottles of champagne between the eight of them. It was great. I enjoyed it immensely. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Harry Potter... <laughs> World, <laughs> no, it's not even called Harry Potter World, but Harry Potter, the Warner Brothers Studios, oh, yes, yeah, uh, near Watford yesterday, and there was a hen do there. And uh, I just think, fair play, like, you're obviously a big Harry Potter geek, and they were dressed up to the max, like, they looked like they were going, they could be going out to some cool bar in Soho or wherever. And, and then the brighter bee, and they, they've gone to Harry Potter World, like, the, the brighter bee had the traditional kind of like. Tiara, like plastic tiara with the little veil thing on and um, I was just like yeah fair play you like Harry Potter this is what you would do for your hen do why not why not I wonder if um, hen's nights at Harry Potter world are much like hen's nights at stand up comedy gigs where you see them and you're like oh no yeah. <laughs> these people are going to want to say a lot of things <laughs> because it's their special night yeah well th- there is a bit the start where are you a Harry Potter fan uh, I've read them and I like them but I wouldn't say I mean, I read lots of uh, 
friend of mine was a Harry Potter fan fiction person. Oh, okay. So I read, and my brother did his uh, undergraduate thesis on uh, what was it? it? Was the folk narratives and fan fiction? Okay. So that I did, uh, I did a lot of reading of, of fan fiction and stuff. So I, I understand the fandom basically. Yeah. Have you seen any of the films? I have. I've seen yeah. them all. So there's a th- at the start of the tour, like you sit in a little cinema room for five minutes and they play a video where it's Daniel Radcliffe and Watson and Rupert Grint are talking to you about what you might expect today and, and bits and bobs. And then they uh, bring the screen up, which mm. you just re- didn't realise was like an actual portable screen because it just looks like a normal cinema. They bring the screen up and then they have the doors to the the Great Hall there. Wow. It looked really cool. And then this guy was like, oh, do we have any... Um, birthday people in today and like this little girl walked forward she was probably about i don't know eight or nine and so she got to um push the doors open with him Aww. which was really nice but i do wonder if in the hen do they would have got thing, the hen to they would have got the hen to do it of course they would have <laughs> yeah. of course they would have like her and like some little seven-year-old boy <laughs> in robes the r- they sell the robes and they're like 70 something quid oh i mean good on good on them Good on J.K. Rowling. Yeah. She's made herself a, an empire. Mm. Well, I think it's incredible. I mean, I, I think I've, I've watched some kind of um, rubbish TV movie, like Channel 5 film about her life before, I, and I don't know how accurate it was. But, you know, she was, you know, single mum on benefits and all this stuff. And um, then suddenly she writes this book and... Well, her whole life has changed. Like, she must be worth a fortune now. I think she's w- richer than the Queen or something like that. And, and through something that I think is quite something to be proud of, you know, she's encouraged children to read. Like, that's a good thing, and use their imagination and all that. Um, and she does. She gives loads of money to charity and stuff like that. But is she happy? That is She's the very question. funny on Twitter. She's great on Twitter. Yeah, and with all the politics stuff going on at the moment, and she c- when she calls people out and stuff. Uh, yeah, I think in she's Ed- great. In Edinburgh, there's a famous cafe where she wrote, and they have yeah. a plaque on the wall. And then they must a make a killing out of there's that. There's another cafe down the road, in a different part of Edinburgh, that has a plaque on their wall that said, or a sign on the wall that said, "J.K. Rowling never wrote anything here." <laughs> And she went to that place and wrote underneath it, and never will. Oh, <laughs> really? Rowling. Wow. Which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, she seems like she's got a good kind of sense of humour. So where can people find you online, Lady Rickards? I don't really do, do anything online. I'm trying to up my... And up until now, I'd been calling you a cliché of your generation. Twitterage. Uh, I'm Lady Rickards on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm trying to tweet every day, but... Do it. Write a joke every day. Yeah. It's a good As discipline. It's supposed to be exactly like a writing discipline. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it took me, took me ages to work out how to link my Twitter to my Facebook. No one really follows me on Twitter. They will now. Be, yeah, obviously. You'll get the famous Alice Fraser bump. There yeah, is thank no you. Bump. I, I'm trying to make videos and things, but I don't really... That's more on Instagram. Just keep plugging away. Yeah, keep plugging away. And I'll get you back a year from now and see where you're at. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my. Let's do that. I mean. Same <laughs> place, same time. Yeah. Next year. Let's You'll do have it. moved out by then. You'll be back in London. Yeah. Maybe I will live. I'll be living in Clapham and um, working at a charity and gigging on the side. And who knows? Who knows? I look forward to it with keen anticipation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
Surely do. 